Listening to a music with good melody is a delight to our soul, especially when we are so tired and weary with all the things that we have done uh, over the week. And so it's always good to listen to a lovely music. It helps the message to penetrate the heart of our soul so that we will understand the message and we can respond to it rightly. The sweet melody helps us to understand what the composer meant when he was writing the song. Well, there are many messages out there, like the one that you can see on the billboards or those that you can read on the book or some events that are happening outside, some activity for a cause or slogan maybe that you can see somewhere. Sentences and praises are sometimes hard to understand, but today the psalmist has written, Psalms 99 has been written with a marvelous message that when it reached the innermost part of our soul will cause us just to say with our mouth coming from the bottom of our hearts and cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, worthy, worthy, worthy to receive all praise. And that is why the psalmist wrote this psalm in a form of song for us to grasp the depth and the breadth of its meaning. So read with me from Psalms 99. The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. The mighty king loves justice. You have established fairness. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God, bow in worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those calling on his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and the statutes he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their sinful actions. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Let us all pray before we proceed with our message. O Lord our God, you are holy. May Psalms 99 be delivered to us today the way the psalmist desire for it to be delivered to those who listen to it. Today, by the preaching of your word, by the power of your spirit, may we understand your message. That when we look at the beauty of your majesty and see you for who you are and for what you have done, we will bow down exalt you, and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I know this is nothing new to us. When we are parenting our kids, they always ask a lot of questions. 
And Sophia was one of the example. He would ask such a question like, Daddy, would you rather have a small house or a big house? And then I will answer, of course, big house. And then he will, she will ask, why? And then I will answer, and she will ask again, why? And then I will answer, she will ask again, why? It's a never-ending asking of questions of why. Sometimes we have to hold our patience as a parent, but sometimes it helps us to reflect on the why of everything. Today, when, Psalm, when we are reading or hearing Psalms 99, I hope that you will ask many questions like why. Why is it written? Why is it true to me today? How does it matter to me? Why? Why? And why? Let's listen together at Psalms 99. Make our mind attentive as the psalmist helps us to see why our holy God is worthy of worship because he is highly exalted, he loves justice and righteousness, and he is the answer to our greatest need. And those are the three points that we are going to discuss today to help us see easily what is the message of Psalms 99. He is highly exalted, he loves justice and righteousness, and he is the answer to our greatest need. That is why we must worship the Holy God. Let's go to the first point. He is highly exalted. Psalms 99, 1-3 says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth, let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. Well, the psalmist wants us to know first that the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. The very first line seems to be just a normal statement to us. The psalmist declared this as a proclamation, followed by a call to all the people to tremble before a reigning Lord. The psalmist has a deeper meaning to this, and we must realize what it is. I would relate this Proclamation sometimes to our understanding of Independence Day. I know that each one of us has our own Independence Day in our country. Well, for those who were born earlier, when they are celebrating Independence Day, they would cry out in tears. They would be so touched because of what happened in the past. Bloodsheds, martyrdoms, all the sacrifices that has been done to gain that independence. But for the young ones today, an Independence Day is a celebration at a beach hotel or a relaxing sleep inside your room after a long work at the office. The psalmist, when he was singing this, was singing with a trembling fear. When he said the Lord's reign, he knows that he isn't just pertaining to an earthly Lord. He is pertaining to the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The Lord who made the great lights in the sky, the sun, the moon, and the stars, which are scattered in the galaxy. The creator of the universe and everything in it. This is the Lord who reigns. 
so let the people tremble. When the psalmist mentions people, he is pertaining to the many nations. The psalmist give more emphasis why all the nations should tremble before the Lord. He sang, He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. Well, the Bible mentioned that there are two cherubim that spreads their wings together to cover the mercy ark of the ark, the mercy of, the mercy seat on the ark of the covenant, signifying that they are covering the glory of the Lord residing in the ark. It signifies that the Lord who owns everything in the universe is now in the midst of the people whom he has chosen to be his own possession. 1 Samuel 4 says that when the ark entered the, the camp, all the Israelites shout and the ground shook. This event sent a message to the surrounding nations that those who oppose God who is reigning should fear God, for now his reign is existing not only in the heavens, but on earth. The Lord reigns over all his creation, including the earth and all the nations in it. The question is, what about those who resist the Lord's reign? Psalms 2 was written because of this. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. The one enthroned in heaven and loves. The Lord ridicules them. And then he continued later, you will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. So now kings be wise, receive instruction you judges of the earth, serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Opposing the Lord who reigns is such a futile effort. And the wisest thing to do is to submit to the Lord who reigns. I wonder in our life today, how many times did we oppose the Lord who reigns? When you read God's word and you were enlightened about his will, what is your response to him? Do you still continue on doing what you wanted to do even though you know that you are disobeying God? Let's continue on hearing from Psalms 99. The psalmist continue, The Lord is great in Zion. So that all will witness that the Lord reigns, the Lord display his glory in his, in his exaltation in the Mount Zion. The psalmist encourages all the people, look up in Zion, the mountain of the Lord, for he is great. That's why the psalmist sing, he is exalted above all the peoples. The Bible describes Zion as the dwelling place of God and all who approach it benefits from it. The psalmist basically tells us that the exaltation of the Lord and the greatness of the Lord is beneficial to those who come to him in his holiness and exalting his name. 
when peoples are seeking for blessing, they should not look here, down, and below. They should lift up their heads and fix their eyes on the greatness of God in Zion. I wonder how we define blessings today. Most of the time, we think of blessing as material possessions, like money, houses, cars, jewelries. Maybe, maybe for some of us, this is true, but for, but for others, it is their health, especially nowadays in the pandemic time. We value our health so much that we avoid interacting with other persons in fear of getting infected of the virus. This is true, but we choose to limit our interaction with them even if they are our closest relatives. Much more with the people of God. The Bible describes us the Zion as God's dwelling place. When we read Hebrews 12, just like Juliet has read a while ago, we learn that Zion in the life of Christian is the church, the gathering of God's people who believes in Christ Jesus. That whenever Christian comes together, the greatness of the Lord is displayed in their midst. For you have not come to what can be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to the blast of the trumpets and the sound of words. You did not come to, mount, to the mount where the prophet Moses went up and the people wait below hearing only rumblings and thunders of sound. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose name have been written in heaven, to a God who is judgeable, to the spirits of the righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant to the sprinkled blood, which is better things than the blood of Abel. All who approach God's church in reverential awe of the Lord will be blessed by it, for he blessed it abundantly. He will satisfy the needy. Those who seek refuge find their salvation in it. The exaltation of the Lord can be clearly seen in the gathering of believers. And it is something that is desirable and beneficial to those who come and seek His ways. Also, the exaltation of the Lord is where we can clearly see for who He is, His character, and His nature. As the psalmist continues, he sings, let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. In another literal translation, the psalmist says, Let them praise your great and terrible name. And this is where the psalmist wants us to understand the very important nature of the Lord. That the Lord is holy. The prophet Moses is one of the great examples of someone who met, went up of the mountain of the Lord and witnessed God's holiness. The Lord said to him in book of Exodus, 
I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. Moses began to tremble and did not dare to look. The Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, because the place where you are standing is a holy ground. Why is God's exaltation beneficial to, dare, to those who dare to approach him? So that they will know how great and terrible the name of the Lord, for he is holy. The end result to anyone who does not make the name of the Lord sanctified in their midst is something terrible. When we read the Bible, we can read what happened to the Israelites when they thought that they need an imagery of a calf to celebrate in festival their deliverance from the slavery of Egypt. But later on, God told Moses that their worship is a wrong kind of worship. They worship an idol, not the true God. Another place in the Bible that tells us about wrong worship is in Leviticus 10, where Nadab and Abihu, sons of the priest Aaron, presented to the Lord an unauthorized fire. But the Lord's fire burned them to death. The Lord who resides between the cherubim says to Moses, Among those who are near to me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. In Mount Zion, where God is exalted, we can learn that the Lord is holy and to be regarded as holy. This tells us that the wrong understanding of God produces in us a wrong kind of worship, which is abominable to God, something that not is acceptable. The Lord is exalted over all the people so that we may understand that He is holy. And so the psalmists continue and encourage them, let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name, for the Lord is holy. One time I get home, and my son was hiding his face to me. I didn't know. So the mom... My wife told me what happened. Joe was burned his face with a torch that he used for lighting a candle, testing if it was hot or not. His curiosity gave him harm without a proper understanding that that could hurt him. In the same way, if we come before the presence of the Lord without regarding of his holiness, it will cause harm to us. The gathering of the believers where the Lord who reigns and exalted in praise, in singing and in prayer, in preaching of the word, if we do not have the right knowledge of God, it will cause us harm. It will not give us blessing. I wonder how many times did we put the name of the Lord in vain. When you say, oh my God, or Jesus Christ, have you thought of his name as holy? In the church, when you sing, when you pray, and when you read his word, how are you regarding his name? Is his name sanctified? 
Is He regarded as the Lord who reigns in your life? Is the Lord considered holy among His congregation? Peoples and nations represented inside this room, all of us from different countries. Psalms 99 says that the Lord reigns in our lives. Let us not dare to oppose His will. Submit to God's reign, tremble before Him, exalt the Lord, for He is holy. The psalmist continues with the introduction of another title, the mighty king. This is because he wants the people not only to have the knowledge of the Lord, but also a heart for the Lord, seeing not only his character, but the nature of his rule. A psalmist attempts to progress from the mind down to our heart. But sometimes we are responding begrudgingly. Our worship is not really a true worship coming from the heart. Or sometimes we are worshiping God out of the wrong motive, seeking only His blessing and not His face. And so that we would respond rightly, the psalmist help us. He said, look to the mighty king. The Lord is worthy of our worship and submission because of the mighty king. Let's read from Psalms 99, 4 to 5. The mighty king loves justice. You have established fairness. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow and worship at his footstool. He is holy. As the psalmist sings, he wants us to see the nature of this mighty king. First of all, the mighty king loves justice. One thing is for sure. If the king who reigns doesn't love justice and does not commit himself to righteousness, his kingdom perishes and his people are not secured. The result will be turmoil, chaos, and the peoples are prone to corruption. During the Old Testament, the Bible gave us a lot of example. In the time of the kings of Israel, including David and Solomon, for one time, their people considered them as righteous and just. But one time, David committed a terrible sin. He disregarded righteousness and justice by committing adultery with Bathsheba. And King Solomon disregarded the righteousness and justice of God by marrying lots of women and led the whole Israelites to seek refuge in the island nation instead of seeking help from the Lord their God. What happened? There were turmoil, chaos, and death in the kingdom. The kingdom was divided in two. We can also see that true in the context today. Look at the people around you from different nations. Isn't it worse if we have rulers who are sitting in their throne without justice and righteousness? But the chosen mighty king of the Lord who reigns is different with all the kings who have reigned over the land. 
for he loves justice. The psalmist continue, look at this king who administers fairness in Jacob. He administers justice and righteousness in Jacob. Who is Jacob? Jacob is the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Instead of Jacob, his name was changed to Israel because he struggled with God and not let go of him until he received mercy and blessing of the Lord. I know probably most of you know this story already. And Israel became the people of God's own possession. But in the storyline of Israel, there were many kings seated on the throne and not one of them had perfectly administered justice and righteousness over their, their people. But the Lord who reigns promised the mighty king who loves justice and will administer justice and righteousness in Israel. There is a human king born out of a virgin, the prophesied one, who is the mighty king who loves justice. He is the chosen king of the Lord who reigns. The Bible calls him as Messiah, the Christ, who was the promise to be the king who will restore justice and righteousness over Israel. Isaiah 11 declares, Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. And this prophecy was fulfilled in the coming of Christ Jesus. Paul wrote on Romans 15, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will appear. The one who rises to rule the Gentiles, the Gentiles will hope in him. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him, said Paul. As the psalmist continues in Psalms 99, he celebrates the rule of the mighty king. The biblical storyline, not only Psalms 99, help us to see that the Lord who reigns not only rule in Israel, but to all of us, the non-Israelites, the Gentiles who choose to submit in the rule and reign of the Lord Almighty. But the question is, how can a righteous God still retain his righteousness when he chooses to forgive our sin, the unrighteous people like us, and even the Gentiles and even the Jews who are unrighteous? How can he retain his righteousness if he just easily forgives? Can we still trust him that he loves justice? That he remains to be righteous in the midst of his people? You might remember one time in your life when you came here in the UAE, maybe your management promised you a salary increment after the probation period. But after that time, you didn't receive it. I can recall the many expressions on the faces of our friends here when that happened to them. 
And so, they cannot really trust the management anymore. Their work is not happy. It's the same thing. When the king doesn't retain in his righteousness, but the mighty king who loves justice administers justice and righteousness in the lives of his people, the people of his own possession. He is true to his words. His integrity is trustworthy. We can submit to his rule and reign because of his love for justice. He submitted himself to righteousness. He obeyed the Lord's will and obedience even to the point of death, the death on the cross. Why death on the cross? How can justice be executed on his death? We will know that as we continue Psalms 99. The psalmist says, Exalt the Lord our God, bow and worship at his footstool, for he is holy, because he is our answer to our greatest need. Let's continue on the remaining text of Psalms 99. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called in his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and the statutes he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their sinful actions. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. The psalmist now mentioned three names. Moses, Aaron, and Samuel. There's underlying reason behind this. First, let's see about Moses and Aaron. They are priests. Why the need of priests? It's because of our need for a mediator. If there is a title to describe Moses and Aaron, they are none other than mediator. They are the intercessors. They are the one intervening on behalf of another, especially in prayer. People need intercessor on coming before the Holy Lord. They need someone to intervene on behalf of them. They need a mediator. So God gave them Moses and Aaron and Samuel because of the Lord's compassion to these people. Why? Because the Lord shields them from his holiness. In Exodus 33, Moses himself asked if he may see the glory of the Lord. And this is God's response to him. You cannot see my face. For humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Even Moses himself has to be shielded by a rock so that God's glory, God's holiness may not consume him. In the same way, there's a need of a rock to shield anyone from seeing God's glory and His holiness. There's a need for a mediator because all 
only through a mediator can the peoples commune with the holy God. Only through mediator can the Lord answer them and give them what they need. The psalmist says Samuel was also among those who called in his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. The Lord answered his people through Moses, Aaron, and Samuel as they intercede in behalf of them. But there's another reason why there's a need for mediator. It is because of the need of perfect obedience. The psalmist sang that as the Lord answered them, he spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. In the Bible, the mention of a pillar of cloud is associated with the descending of the glory of the Lord to give his decrees and statutes to his people so that they will know his ways and walk according it. The obedience of the Lord's command brings blessing to them, but the disobedience of it brings curse to those who dare to oppose him. As, how, as what I've mentioned earlier, the Israelites have not been obedient with the laws and commands of the Lord. Instead of giving thanks to God, they dare to disobey him by breaking his law. They worshiped the gods of the nation. They intermarried and polluted the land that the Lord gave them. This psalm says that the Lord forgive them when they repent, but also avenge of their sinful actions. The book of Isaiah has lots of prophecies that calls for the Lord's blessing when his people obey, but there's destruction, harm, capture, slavery, punishment when they disobey his command. Therefore, the question that awaits for an answer is the Lord's integrity. How can the psalmist confidently sing that the Lord is worthy to be praised and worthy to be worshipped? It is because of his integrity. It is because of the perfect obedience of the Lord's chosen one. He became our rock, our shield from God's holiness. He is our high priest, our intercessor, the perfect mediator between God and man. He obeyed the Lord that even though he is a mighty king, he became the servant of us. He obeyed the Lord by carrying the cross, our burden of sin, to nail them to death so that sin and death can be no more. Romans 3.25 proclaims, God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood. True faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And also 1 Corinthians 1 says, It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. When you put your hope and trust and faith in Jesus Christ, He became 
your perfect obedience. He is your righteousness. So the Lord can retain His integrity. Christ Jesus, the shoot from the stump of Jesse, born of the virgin, the incarnation of God, the mercy seat of the Lord, where the cherubim spread its wings, covered the Lord's glory. In Christ Jesus, who died on the cross, God avenged our sinful actions by laying all our sins on Him. He carried our sin and shame and unrighteousness and bare them to receive God's just punishment for our sin so that God would be just and at the same time the justifier of the peoples who put their faith in Jesus Christ. What is your greatest need today? You might think it's a better job, a better working place. You might think that it is a mutual relationship to satisfy the longing of your heart. You might think that it is wealth and riches to provide good things to your loved ones. In the middle of pandemic, you might think it's the need for your good health or even protection for your family in the chance of death. What is your greatest comfort today? Is it the control over your own life? Is it your own strength? Do you plan your life without the consideration that there is a God whom you will face at the end of your life? Who requires a perfect record of obedience? What is your greatest assurance? Is it because you have been a good person? That you did not harm anyone in your life? That you keep for yourself a good record to present to a holy God? Are you confident in that? Are you confident in your own performance of perfect obedience? But the Bible proclaims through the gospel that our greatest need are not these things in this life. The Word of God tells us that our comfort and assurance cannot be found anywhere but in Christ Jesus. For we have a holy Lord who reigns in the heaven and in the earth who is worthy of our thanksgiving, praise, and worship. However, our sin and our unrighteousness comes in the way and make us an object of God's holy wrath because God is holy. But the chosen one of the Lord provides us a way just like how he provided a way for the sinful Israelites and the Gentile nations. God exalted himself so that we can see that opposing him is futile and we need to surrender and become a people for his own possession. He provided us a mighty king who loves justice. He is the Christ, the answer to our greatest need. In him we can find our refuge for he is the rock of our salvation. In him is the record of perfect obedience for he obeyed the Father's will by bearing your sin, my sin, our sin in his body so that in his death justice would reign. He died the death that we should die and he rose again to life so that when we surrender ourselves, repent of our sins and be united in him by the power of the Spirit, we can be found righteous before a holy God for he lives the righteous life that we cannot live, so that in Him we can be the righteousness of God. 
And so the psalmist shout with the acclamation. For those who submit to the rule and reign of the Lord through his mighty King Jesus Christ, shout out your thanksgiving, love, and adoration. If you are one of them, exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. For he is highly exalted. He loves justice and righteousness, and he is the answer to our greatest need. Worship the holy God. Let us all pray. O Heavenly Father, we come to you and humble ourselves before you. For you are a holy God. We thank you, O Lord, for the provision of your grace that is in Christ Jesus. That in him, we can learn that you are holy. That in him, we can learn that you love justice and righteousness. That in him, we can learn that you are a forgiving God, but an avenger of their sinful actions, of the people's sinful actions. We repent of our sins. If we have not repented before, we repent of our sins and we come before your throne of grace and ask for your mercy. We put our faith in Jesus Christ, whom is the answer to our greatest need. We pray but that by the power of your Spirit, that your word will remain in our hearts like what the psalmist desired. For anyone who will hear this song, may we submit to your rule and reign. May we know that you are a holy God and worship you for who you are. May our lives be united in Christ Jesus. We pray these things. Amen and amen. Well, friends, it is at the cross where love and justice meet, uh, that God in his love sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for sin, uh, that God's justice uh, was fulfilled as he poured out his wrath over sin on his son who had done no wrong but stood in our place instead. That's what we hear from his word, that uh, because of Christ's sacrifice, we have an intercessor, that we can come before a holy God that we would not be able to come before on our own. And so we, we thought about that as, as we hear, uh, heard his word uh, preached uh, by Ben just a second ago, and we're gathered to remember that same truth as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. As we uh, eat the bread and we, we drink the cup, uh, we proclaim Christ's death until he comes, that Christ's death was sufficient, uh, that Christ's